Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast, a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together, take on various topics that tend to bubble up once we embark on this endeavor of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd, cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is... Hey, Jersey, I am Rob Stenzinger, a user experience designer, and I do stuff like make video games too. Just a little thing called making video games. Uh, Rob, I don't know if you noticed that there's daylight... (laughs) In my studio. It looks so bright. It's Look awesome. Look did, you, did you get some new studio lights? <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're actually doing the Lean Into Art cast while the sun is still uh, high in the sky or while the earth is facing. <laughs> our part of the earth is facing the sun. There's the more precise way of saying it. Um, hmm. Not that it matters to anybody listening to the show after the fact or just listening to the audio, but if you're watching the video, you probably notice that my my studio actually has natural light in it for the first time, probably in years since doing this show. It's been a long time. Like we did dabble with um, some some daytime recordings, some weekends. We did Tuesday for a good while, and uh, at some point, a pretty long time ago, like maybe even like six plus years. We switched to Thursdays. <laughs> we, and then, uh, you know, over time, I come to realize that so many networking things are on Thursday nights. It's pretty funny. So it's like, nope, can't do it. Podcasting. Hey, let's do a happy hour for the group, the team, the project. Yay. Thursday. Everyone got Thursday works for everybody, right? Nope, not for me. Never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so it's fun to try a different time again um yeah yeah they're, they're, well it'd be fun to explore some different times to see you know who can actually uh interact with the show while we stream it live and it i just, know yeah. and i do feel a little bit bad where it's like we do have our thursday crew that that shows up right and it's yeah. like you know it's yeah. messing with other schedules but um yeah change. well also, this week in the United States, it's a holiday week, and that's another reason is that uh, tomorrow is a pretty big holiday in the United States, the 4th of July, Independence Day. And so typically, one goes out with one's family on that holiday, So, you, and, and it's a nighttime holiday because there's fireworks, so there's no way we were going to tell our families, hey, guess what? <laughs> we, we got a podcast about visual storytelling while you celebrate our, our nation's 200 and some odd birthday. right yeah sometimes a conflict is a pretty hard conflict which anyway i mean we we do play with our schedule and we have options or whatever but this is fun here we are during the day and you can really see in your studio my studio is more protected so it's kind of like timeless uh a timeless chamber of you know medium light (laughs) (laughs) not too dark not too light so this is rob's art prepper studio (laughs) <laughs> deep, sure. deep, deep underground i got enough guitars to survive the end times we got guitars i've got buckets of pencils <laughs> yeah you know all grotten potatoes i don't know what do you keep there? <laughs> those buckets of food they're supposed to last two years there you go uh, um Okay, uh, usually on this show, we pick a topic and then try to drill all the way down as far as we can with it. In one half of the show, we talk about what it looks like. In the other half of the show, we talk about how we think about it. Um, what are we doing this week, Rob? Um, well, this is one where, um, as we talk about what, what should we talk about, sometimes small topics come up. And I thought that maybe there's sort of a, you know, maybe a, a prepper bucket, if you will, of, of small topics that 
is general problem solving things that come up when we're working on projects or you get asked to do something and you're, you know, it's related to your, to your sort of um, creative work. Maybe it's making uh, whatever it's storytelling, it's visual, whatever, but it's, it's kind of related, but it's small. It's not like a big topic. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of its own thing of a of, of few of these. And then we can talk about maybe a, a bit of um, a bit of sort of what it's like thinking of this as almost like a, you know, when they're all like DIY mini projects in a way, right? Mm. Create, create, solving odds and ends was the title of this episode. So yes, like mm-hmm. little tiny uh, experiences where we overcome some kind of little creative hurdle. Um, so there's a theme to it, but it's like a lot that. of little stories adding up to it. Okay, so then shall I hit the music to get us over to the first part of the show? Yeah, let's go there. All right, well, then, there we go. Not quite, not quite the Dragon Ball theme. That's good though. That's like, <laughs> I want to start marching around a mat, you know, and be like, all right, going on. So, uh, we're Anna and I were talking about. Uh, this is totally an aside, but it's kind of related to this. Is um, trying to start up a mini comics day in Columbus now that we live here. And do you remember mini mm-hmm. comics day, right? Where mm-hmm. like it, like it's a very truncated version of 24 hour comic day where it's just eight hours, eight hours, do an eight page mini comic, which is actually a little bit more challenging than it might sound. Um, and I was talking about how like we would need to have like a playlist running of just anthem music like that, like just for eight hours straight of just getting <laughs> shouted at by, by uh, men with big voices telling us that we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the experience, I, right? That sounds fun. I would totally, <laughs> I would totally uh, make mini comics in that room, wherever that is. <laughs> all right. You're uh, invited. All right. Uh, okay. So. Uh, we're in the topic zone now, so uh, where, where where do you want to start? What, what's something that happened to you where you had to like overcome a creative challenge? Uh, well, okay, this is I've got I've got this all over the place. It's it's um it's basically it's hanging art, and there's a bunch of dimensions to it, and one of them it was related to um well, Kate had some wall space at her at her day job that she wanted to you know put something up and we've got a giant collection i mean on having having kids and they make stuff they make stuff at home they make stuff at at school they are i mean honestly it's pretty it's a good it's a good example of how you should just make lots of stuff because sometimes there's really there's great gems that come out of practicing and making lots of stuff right and there's a couple of these gems that we saw we have um it's funny. So we have so much artwork comes into our house. We've got a couple of various places to hang it up. If we, and what's funny, we're not a fridge art house, right? A lot of places solve this where they're like magnets and fridge. You just cover the coat, the fridge, whatever. And um, we kind of, we've tried that a little bit, but just the stuff gets in the way, stuff falls, whatever. And anyway, so we clip things to, to wires and we've got kind of like two little wire galleries and, and there's there's a couple of really strong pieces that we that both Kate and I like a lot that like one was made you know each of our daughters made one of these things and Kate's like I want that on the wall but I want it bigger and I'm like well it makes sense cuz I don't know you, you hang like one little 8 and a half by 11 thing on a wall and it's it kind of I don't know maybe maybe that works for some folks I like bigger art <laughs> I don't know so puzzling this out it's like well need to need to do, capture a really clean image of it 
and then get it larger and maybe we'll do like, uh, you know, print it somehow, maybe poster, maybe whatever. Looked at a few options and landed on wanting to try this uh, like canvas printing. And then looking around, I know I just like casually saw what I thought was a fair price for a canvas print. And then I'm like looking at the available options and there's a lot of them that don't seem like they're a fair price for, for me, but then some that seem fair, but I don't know what size I need. So I, I needed to start here. Then here we go. Here's my problem. I needed to solve. It's like this matchmaking of like what's available at what price. Um, and then at what size and then what size will be compatible with the ratio of the, you know, the aspect ratio of the artwork. So, um, I don't know if that's all super basic stuff that people who hang stuff up deal with all the time. Well, but when I, I probably like preparators and art handlers, sure. And like framers, I'm sure can do a lot of that kind of calculating in their mind, but this is something that you are not encountering in your day-to-day life. Okay. So I'm, I feel behind and I'm like, <laughs> and like people who hang up more artwork are just, they're on this. And, and so for me, I just start trying, I analyze the problem. It's just, I'm like, what, how do I break this into, it's like this thing I want to have as much of this artwork as possible on the larger size. How can I do that? And um, so I did a couple of things. Uh, maybe I'll share my screen to slide sure. through the rest of this. All right. Uh, boop, boop, beep, clicking on stuff. And, you're going to uh, talk about Calca, right? Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, so I think I'll, I'll do this screen. And then I've got, got the whole. I've got the app pulled up on, on, on the main screen right now. It's Calca.io, which is your symbolic okay. calculator, the text editor that loves math and gives you answers as you type. What? Yeah. Calca's funny. So. I um so if you were saying that uh you'll say price uh I'm making something up but you you can essentially assign variables a bit like uh coding syntax so you know some name equals you know some number and then I and then let's see if I wanted to say total equals price uh times you know 10 I don't know how let's say a weird number. We had a huge quantity to order. And then Calca lets you essentially do a large arrow with the equals and point. And then you can essentially play with, uh, play with things. So I can change the variables. Uh, and just, you know, it's a, it's a calculator, but with variables and a little bit like, like the, like formula that you would put into a spreadsheet, but you're not in a, in the grid of a spreadsheet. And that's, I, I don't mind that. I like spreadsheets, but the, it's neat to work sort of long form in notes and just sort of get thoughts out of my head this way. So I, I happen to need to do a couple of things. So I'll come back to Kelka in a second, but I needed to figure out um, like what was available, right? So I, I did an inventory of, of at the time what was in the market, right? So um, there's quirky things like some like FedEx had a bundle and I'm like, oh boy, how do I don't, this is just going to add more, you know, more formulas to Calca, whatever. But like I ended up needing, didn't, and I didn't end up needing to calculate the price break at a, for a, for a bundle for that. But, you know, I looked at FedEx and Shutterfly and Snapfish and Costco and 
Um, and I think the Costco thing, you don't have to be a member for this. It's like this quirky side service thing that, that they offer. So, um, and if this is all limited to us options, sorry, our, our awesome listeners overseas. Um, but this is, uh, this is where I live, <laughs> but you can, you can reuse this approach to, um, you know, come up with your own thing. I also made, um, an illustrator, uh, set of artboards for all the different sizes of the different, the, the different vendors, Snapfish, Snapfish, Shutterfly, FedEx, and uh, Costco. And I looked for like, well, you know, and there's overlap too. So they, it could have happened where, um, like, look at this, diff- like, just like f- from a distance, you see this inventory. Um, there's some overlap, but there's lots of not overlap. Like there's, they're each trying to compete in a space that no one else is in too. And I thought, Oh, I might end up on one of those sizes and not have any choices as far as price. We'll see. Anyway. So I, I did more. Um, so I brought all these, uh, all these sizes. And, uh, so it's like, you can get an eight by eight an eight by 10, 10 by four, all the way up to like 40 by 60. Right. And, and I thought like, well, what are these, so what are these ratios that I'm looking for? And then let's, this lets me eyeball. If I do, if I do a calculation of, let's say the pixel size of one of uh, my kids paintings, right? So I got this, this high res art. Uh, it just happens to be this, this, you know, these pixels, I didn't do much other than to capture it and then get it a little bit cropped and, and whatnot. So it's, it was clean and just that artwork. And then it ended up at this ratio of 0.74, so then I started looking around. I'm like, well, what, what art can I do here? That's about 0.74, right? Or 0.75. And I ended up picking, I think, 18 by 24 for that one. And then it's like, well, who's got 18 by 24? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, FedEx had it for 94 bucks. Um, or wait, do, 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 no. So I, I ended up switching it up because... I think I've cropped it a little bit because look at the price difference. So FedEx was 94. And if I went, if I found a way to get that thing to be 16 by 24, crop a little bit out, it's like half the price. So anyway, so I do, I use this combination of the natural size of the art, the prices available, the ratios available, whatever. And, and it was totally playing with these variables available. Um, but this, in, this, this was the handy thing. This inventory let me, explore um what uh you know what options might be compatible with the different artwork and i think it ended up being so let's see so that was uh so yeah the my my other kids art was uh 0.66 ratio um and so that ended up being different and that was more spot on with 16 by 24 but then was one was portrait, one was landscape, um, and uh, and it didn't really it didn't it didn't do a lot of damage to the one to do a little cropping. So again, that was being opportunistic, saying like, well, if I'm a purist here, I'm paying twice the price. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was me uh, problem solving for this. Where I yeah, I mean, I I thought it was it's it was pretty fair. It's and it and it turned out well. I don't have a picture of them right now, but like. Um. Anyway, so what, does this remind you of anything, Jersey, or do you want to switch to a different problem? Well, no, it's just it's it that that 
I had did not realize that canvas printing was that complex. Um, and, and I wouldn't have thought is it or did I make it complex? You, you made it into a fully researched topic instead of just like going like, well, I guess I'm paying $70 for this thing. Right. Like actually like, uh, it, I, I didn't realize that they were all competing in like their own size. I, I, I haven't done that kind of comparison shopping before. Like I, I've had exactly one thing printed on canvas before for an art show. And I just went to like a local guy just like to support a local business kind of thing. Um, mm. I haven't actually done like the, the work of looking at what everybody's doing on this. So you're not alone in being quote unquote behind on this. Um, th- that was news to me that they would all have different, I would assume that there'd be like, you got poster size, you got tabloid size, you got letter size, you know, maybe A4, B6 and whatever, but that would be it. I wouldn't, didn't realize it was, it was that un, uh, unstandardized. So <laughs> it's very much not standard. Then, uh, yeah. And, and some of them will offer squares. Some of them don't, or some of them don't offer large squares. They just offer small squares. I don't know. It just, it really depends on like, if you look at your art, ratio and see where where it's most compatible and if if you're willing to you know fudge it a little bit then you can find a wider range of compatibility but that's i didn't have that variable (laughs) i didn't have another list of like and this other art you know local business i want to support (laughs) that wasn't on my (laughs) well no i see i i happen i happen to be married to somebody who works in the museum field so like i had that 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 signal was very active so when i said like hey i need to print this thing i just got to mention it to her and she was like oh i know a guy because i worked with him on different art installations in the past kind of thing cool so so that that was something where i didn't even have to do any research rob so don't don't give me any special props for that um, <laughs> but but what was interesting is in his case he would actually he just gave you like what's the maximum width and then like he would give you some options on pricing like per inch based on like he would just cut it the size. So like, okay, if the maximum width is like 18 inches, I can do, here's what, you know, 18 by 10 will cost you 18 by 12, 18 by 14. Like he would just charge by the inch at 10 wide, which made, Mm. so I didn't have to think about that ratio thing. It was just like, okay, I want it to fit in this frame. Therefore it's, this is gonna be the maximum width and it'll be approximately this long. Give me a price. Um, but I can see how, with a company like, say, FedEx or some, uh, you know, companies that are going to do like a lot of uh, sort of like made to order, like very customer friendly sort of um, dimensioning, they're going to want it to be very templated, right? Just make sure it fits mm-hmm. into this template size. So there's less that can go wrong when you do it that way. Oh, so. for sure. I mean, they're probably looking, I would imagine it's been a few months since I've, I did this work, right? That each of these sizes is like uh, their own product, right? And if the one, if they're not selling, I imagine that list changes. I, I would guess um, because yeah, that, that's kind of the, yeah, you know, that's a different specialty, right? Where, yeah, someone who can just make it any size, that's, that's pretty awesome. But I don't know. Um, and honestly, I'm now I'm curious, like what that person's prices are. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go back and look through my email, but and as a matter of fact, I think I might have not even had an email about it. It might have been entirely through the phone, but <laughs> mm. <laughs> but let me check through my email, and I can g- give you a sense of what I paid for that. I, I it was like four years ago, so I have no no memory of it. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'll well, get back to you. So yeah, cool. Um, Anyway, that's uh, the, that was an interesting one where I don't think it's a whole episode, but yeah, what are, what are some other things that you've been thinking of? I, I just like problems? so. My mine is going to be a little less 
systematic, but I do like that 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 uh, uh, sort of a theme of this entire podcast series is that it's not enough to just like identify the problem and, and like you know spitball a few solutions. It's like no, no, you got to create a system to generate the best possible solution. Uh, that, that that I I do find that actually very appealing. I'm not I'm not making fun. Um, so I have a hypothesis, and that is um, I am in the process of generating pitches. Uh, this is something I've been talking about a lot lately. So as I um, progress the summer, I want to exit the summer with three to five pitches developed and ready to shop around to different publishers, and I've got a couple done. Uh, so I'm moving on to my next one. And the next one, as I was thinking about the, 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 the look and feel of it, I thought, you know what? I think I'm ready. I think it'd be interesting to try doing, uh, a comic entirely in watercolor, like, like watercolor on paper. Cause my, my first thought was Ooh. like, Oh, watercolor would work really well for the visual tone that I would like to go for with this. And I've been practicing it a lot. Um, but, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, my next thought was like, oh, well, Cliff Studio Paint has some fabulous watercolor tools. And I was like, no, 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 no. Come on. Because like you've been practicing on paper. You're getting good at it on paper. It would be a whole new learning curve to take on trying to do it digitally just to protect yourself from messing up on the paper. You know, I, I recently went to um, the Billy Ireland where my wife works now. Uh, we did a when we had some friends in town after a two calf. We went on a tour of the Billy Ireland again. And uh there's a, a, a Calvin and Hobbes watercolor by Will, Bill Watterson in their collection that they, they show on the tour. And mm. it's, it's one of the covers from one of his collections. And the lines are actually printed on a piece of acetate that just overlays on top of the watercolor. So what he did is he did the ink drawing first, oh, yeah. then lightboxed it to watercolor it. And like as we were looking at it, one of the artists that were in the group was like, oh, that's so reassuring that even a master of his caliber was worried about messing up the, the, the watercolor after inking it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, like, that's the, the risk I think about. It's like, well, doing an entirely watercolor comic means that I'm going to ink that page, and that's going to take me at least a couple hours, and then I'm going to start throwing paint down on it, and if I mess up, you know, there's only so much you can fix, right? It makes me nervous. Uh, so that's why I, I immediately thought, like, oh, I could just learn to do it in Clip Studio Paint. And then I've got like a little bit of like, you know, I've got undos, I've got versioning that I, I can go mm-hmm. back to, right? And I thought, no, 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 no. Just at least for the pitch, you're only going to do five to ten pages for the pitch. Just see if you can do it. So this will, this will solve two problems. One is it'll give me an interesting looking pitch. Two is it'll it's a testing the hypothesis. Am I ready to commit to say a 150 page book that I do entirely in watercolor? Um, and upon making that, uh, you know, framework for myself, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it's been a long time since I've drawn on paper for finished work, right? I, I sketch in my sketchbook plenty of times. I do lots of sketching in my sketchbook, but I don't sit down with like Bristol or with watercolor paper and go like, okay, I'm about to do a drawing that I would like publish. So it just so happens that um, I got invited to... Uh, uh, contribute a pinup to the John Aman uh, Kickstarter that Barry Gregory is doing—a collection of the mm. f- first five, five or six issues of John Aman, uh, Amazing Man, this uh, public domain superhero character that he's been making new comics about. Um, How so, big is that page? Well, this is only like nine by fourteen, like it's legal okay. size. It's a little, wow. a little smaller than I used to work. I used to work ten okay. by fifteen, um, which is you know 
almost a tabloid size. Um, so, but to do this, I was like, okay, I'm going to pencil it digitally, but because it's like an old pulp hero, uh, I, I think it'd be best if I actually inked it on the boards as in the old days, the old way we used to do it. And, but I hadn't used my old crow quill. You know, this is a Hunts 102 crow quill. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if we can get into focus right there. This is what I like yeah, for the kind of, yeah. In the early, I, mean, aughts, I see the pen, but yeah, the, it, if it has writing on it, we're not getting that. Oh no, that's just but, that's, yeah. just, that's yep. just the barcode. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, you can see how much you, you can scan it. You can find out how much it costs. Actually, it's a dollar ninety nine for the the holder. Um, but anyway, nice. yeah, this is the pen that I used as my primary inking tool. I want to say from like two thousand two through two thousand nine. Wow, it really wasn't that long. I, it felt like it was it was with me a much longer time, but yeah, like this is what I inked everything with back then, and then of course you know a bottle of Speedball Super Black. Where's the label mm-hmm. on this thing? Um, hadn't done it a long time, so it was it was reassuring to find out that I could still you know I was still in decent shape. It was it was came together okay. Um, so that, <laughs> he says it looks awesome. It looks okay, <laughs> but but it's like it, it's it's realizing that I'm about to embark on a series of tests, uh, rather uh, a a commitment to testing a hypothesis, I got to do some initial tests to see if if my hypothesis is even like decent. And so for one, that's like breaking out old tools and try to draw that way and and try to find something. I, I was lucky in that I had this particular job to do where I could test how well, um, I can use those old tools again, for something that is meant to be published. So it had that pressure on me. This wasn't me just being playful and experimenting in, my, in, in solitude and to create something that nobody was necessarily going to see. This was to make something that's actually going to be published in a book. So like, I got to test myself under a, a high-pressure scenario. Does that make sense? Like, what are they, what are they call does, it? Yeah, like a commitment, a commitment, uh, commitment which, which comes with uh, something to deliver at a particular time in yeah. a particular way. I mean, that's... right. And and finding out how long that takes, right? Because again, if I was doing it playfully and is an experiment, I might do it like a couple minutes here, a couple hours, or you know, twenty minutes there. This was something where it's like, nope, you're going to sit down, and this is going to be your focused activity for the next two hours. That's all you're going to do. And uh, you know, it it took longer than I thought it would. So there's there's some data to put into my you know uh, my guess for what this watercolor comic is going to cost me is that it's going to be probably twice as long to make pages as it would had I been, had I been drawing them digitally. So the next step is that I'm going to test out a bunch of different kinds of paints. So I have, you know, uh, a palette that I have been using for a while now with some relatively inexpensive paints that keep drying up and falling out of their, um, slots. But then, um, you know, Anne and Anne and I over the last couple of years have been collecting a, a variety of different kinds of paints. So now I'm going to sit down with this is the other tool I got next is got some watercolor Ooh. paper. I got some cold press and hot press. Um, Shadow, what? trying to yeah. What does that mean? Ah, see, cold press and hot press. Cool. This this is one of those things that I learned as I started to explore watercolor. And and Shadow Electronics is in the chat talking about Becca Hillburn's channel. Yes, Becca Hillburn's uh, YouTube channel, which I believe is Natto Soup. She does watercolor in comics all the time, so she has a lot of tips on this. And she would probably be able to explain this even better than I could, which is uh, cold press and hot press it determines the texture of the paper. So hot press is very smooth paper. Cold press has a texture to it. I don't know if you're able to see it in this light, but like, eh, probably not. 
it's it's got a very it's got a just like a light texture to it which it absorbs absorbs the paint differently um and creates different effects so i've got to play with a little bit of hot press a little bit of cold press to do some test drawings to see which i like better and then then i have to test um running that watercolor paper through my um printer to put the blue lines on and then try to paint over the blue lines and if that doesn't work like if the blue lines merge with the the paint too much or if like it's too like if the blue is too visible then i'm going to have to pencil with graphite on the paper lightly erase and ink or rather ink and lightly erase and paint so there's still a few more variables that i have to like play with in order to test drive this idea and i'm hope hoping to do this in like the next three weeks so i my spare time is going to be consumed with that um so um that has less to do with like a tip or any kind of like takeaway where like hey if this ever happens to you kids this is what we do but more like to describe my thinking process on how i'm planning on tackling this particular um little challenge that's cropped up and or presented itself to me um well, i mean there's a whole series of interesting things there as far as changing your estimation so so getting real fresh data to make sure you're um you're you're probably providing a more accurate um, like, yeah, you said, well, how much this project would cost you, which would mean, you know, I, I assume would, would relate to, you know, uh, like what you're hoping as far as a, you know, an outcome it, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, you're, you're changing how you, uh, you know, y- your supply of, of work and, and what it costs and all that there, that's interesting. But then there's also the, it's like, there's a lot of, it's a whole, I don't know, a collection of problems going going analog where where digital ah it's it's almost i love it and it also has it like hides so much complexity because you, you just like different stages of development are layers so what turn the layer off and yeah, yeah. uh but now you mentioned like will will um the are you going to try blue pencil and red pencil or so um, my my I have two potential ways of doing the pencils. One is digitally penciling, printing it off in non-photo blue, and then inking and painting over top of that. My concern Mm. is that the inkjet ink is not waterproof. And if it's too, so I don't know how much, how that's going to affect when the paint gets, starts getting thrown down on top of it. Is that blue going to bleed into the paint colors? So like, let's say if I want somebody bright yellow, oh, now it's got like this haze of green around the outside of it. Well, then print the the blue very, very light. Well, now, and this is what I ran into with inking this John Aman piece, is that <laughs> I'm not I'm not as young as I used to be, Rob, and my vision is not what it used to be. And this this is actually kind of like it's a little bit frightening. It actually caused it made me pause a little bit. It's like I have those um, what do they call that progressive lenses now? Oh, because, progressive. Okay, because I'm doing this the the trombone arm thing when I'm looking at things now, and. When I used to ink on paper with a crow quill, I mean, I would get like, you know, inches away from the paper when I was doing some oh. of these tight ink lines. I used to be able to do that. And when I was inking this one, I was like, I can't, I can't see that close anymore. So I'm, I'm holding it more at arm's length while I'm drawing, which on the one hand is a plus because it means that I'm, you know, seeing the entire composition while I'm drawing instead of getting too focused in on just one little area. But on the other hand, it means that if I print the non-photo blue lines very lightly so that they don't, they're not as apparent when you finish the inks, it's kind of hard to see the detail. I can't mm. see my pencils as well as I used to. So one thing that digital has really been assistant with is, is uh, you know, I can zoom in as big as I want 
which you know when your your close up vision isn't in what it once was that's pretty great mm-hmm. so that's another thing so now i'm thinking about okay so i'll print the non photo blue lines really light on the uh, the watercolor paper so it doesn't affect the color as much well now am i going to have a problem where i don't see what i actually penciled okay well then maybe you should switch to just doing regular graphite pencils like you know old fashioned you know uh ticonderogas um and then just lightly erase when you're done. But then that's a problem, too, because if you have a lot of texture on your paper and if you erase it too hard, you can, you can affect the texture of the paper, which means the paint gets taken down differently. So I've introduced like a lot of com- complexity <laughs> to this, this goal of making a comic that's entirely watercolored. I mean, I think it'll look nice. Like, so the testing I've been doing leading up to this, like when I'm drawing in my sketchbook pieces like this one, you know, with Pickles yeah. and Taft and Baron Von Bear going into battle together, I think that looks pretty okay. Um, you know, I did this piece a while back and I was sketching and I was like, yeah, I kind of like the way that looks. It'd be fun to do a comic that looks like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those, gosh, the, the, the kind the behavior of watercolor is, is really a neat, uh, like a world onto itself. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, I remember having this conversation with Ben Hatke at a two calf a couple years ago when he had an art exhibition from his, uh, children's book, uh, nobody likes a goblin. Um, and it was, it was all an entirely watercolored book and I'm looking at the pieces with them and I'm, and I asked him, I was like, well, you know, what was that like going into each page? And he said that he, he learned to embrace the fact that the watercolor is going to do what it wants to do sometimes and learning to let go of it that way is <laughs> like both terrifying and wonderful at the same time. And I thought about that, you know, it's like, it's somebody who you get so used to working when you're working digitally is like, it just, nothing's going to get away from you. You can you know, it, it, you have, you can noodle forever if you want to, right? Whereas like with watercoloring, and this is what I've discovered in playing with it, is that it sometimes it's going to do what it wants and I just got to live with it. And having to live with it is immensely freeing in a way, right? Because it means that I can finally walk away from it. I'm like, well, it did what it wanted to, you know? I tried to mm-hmm. guide it as best I could, but my mastery is not there yet. Um, whereas with digital, there's the sense that, you know, you you still have a sense of control and maybe even feel like a sense of mastery um, because you have that sense of control. Is that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, digital lets you. Uh, well, I mean, I think it lets you do a little more systematizing, mm-hmm. and, and and it's like the 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 options, the variables, the settings, the uh, there's there's less ambiguity. Uh, and there's and there's less ambiguity and more specific control um, because of layers and the the and and what what's oh what do they call the 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 way you can uh, color merge with layers and all that what is that called like oh, layer filters um, layer and, modes yeah layer okay yeah, uh, blending com- modes there you go thank you blending modes you, combining the the flexibility of the tools what they simulate the uh like blending modes and layers themselves it's like wow you just have you've got a tons of uh ways to find your own um maybe limitless or limit like where do you want to set the limit as far as how much control well that's just it going back to your story about like trying to find the optimum deal for printing on canvas and going to these places like fedex where it's like okay well here's the sizes we have 
we create those limitations so that there's less ambiguity for you. You just make sure your art is this size and then we can print it for you versus mm-hmm. say the guy who's like, just what's the maximum width? Tell me the maximum width and we can print off whatever uh, length you want. Right. Um, is like, I ran into this and I chronicled this a little bit on my microcast that I run on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jersey for the cover for Boulder and Fleet Mining for Trouble, where I got lost trying to get this, this digital painted cover done because I had so many tricks I could try to keep messing with it and having that many options and playing back and forth and back and forth for months, like really playing with this thing for months and like my off hours to where I, I got to the point where I was like, I couldn't even look at it anymore. Not because I hated it, but because I just didn't even know what it was anymore. Does that make sense? Like it, it, it seemed the ambiguity increased to the point where I couldn't give you what I would call an accurate assessment is to the image's quality. So I had to like send it to some friends going like, Hey, if you could change one thing about this, what would it be? You know, just Hmm. give me that. Let's narrow it down to one thing to fix and then I can let it go and let it be. Whereas if I had been doing that painting, well, maybe I say this as shouldn't because like if I suppose if I was doing like an oil painting, I would have that, that ability to noodle with it forever and ever. Um, but my experience with watercoloring has been to the point where like, because it gets away from me sometimes, I kind of let things go every once in a while, a little bit more, right? Like, well, that mm. wasn't how I expected it to go, but it's fine. It, it works. Let's keep going. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know. There are different, different constraints in, in those, those different, those approaches. So yeah, I, 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 I love that. Uh, I, I do love, love analog, but the convenience of digital is, is, I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing. So, um, that's okay. So that's neat. You've, you've you, a couple of things that make me curious that some, like, I know it's silly, but like tools, I, I wish I had sometimes, uh, I would love to have a pen plotter. So, a pen plotter is imagine like a 3D printer. Yeah, essentially you have something on an arm and you've seen these things, right? So you just a, like a plotter with, and then just put a light, put a really hard pencil in there and then draw as big as you need, right? And then do the painting on that. And I don't know, that'd be pretty great. And <laughs> I don't know, because like you're, you're combining the natural media and reducing some of the risk and, and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty great. Um, no, that 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 draw, working on bigger canvases is something that Ann and I have been talking a lot about lately. As we're starting our house shopping in Columbus, is like we uh-huh. want to find a space where wouldn't it be awesome to have, like, say, like a table the size of like a pool table, but just to to do screen printing on, to do like big prints or to do big drawings on. That would be yeah. that'd be pretty fun. Um, and also a little bit daunting and terrifying, but that's why we do this, right? It's like it's like we're purposefully <laughs> sure you, longing for the large canvas, but then seeing the void, staring back at you, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Feel this. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. let's see. Oh, yeah. And so mural artists will do um, something I've admired, where they'll throw up, just project at a wall, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of neat. I. I did a little cheat. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I did. I had, um, you ever go to those places or, or see where, where there's like art, um, art stores, art activity places for kids that they'll have sort of pre-drawn canvases. Um, oh, I have not seen this. Ah, well, uh, it'll be, I mean, it looks like essentially a small, you know, pre-framed or pre-stretched canvas, right? That, 
of you know a few different sizes and ratios and stuff with different drawings on them, but they were they're almost like coloring book level detail art. Uh, but you know, it could be little little cartoon character, cats, dogs, you know, flowers, cars, whatever, right? But sort of car- uh, coloring book level detail overall, mm-hmm. um, and not like the hyper detailed spend hours on this coloring book type coloring books that are cool now. What they call the adult coloring books, yeah. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> they, but okay. So we've we've done this before, um, and as a as an activity at home, I'll, like I have just sort of improvised some art before, and then like we'll just we'll paint on it, and it's just, but it's the same kind of thing where you get the cheap canvases, you, whatever. Um, my uh, youngest had a birthday party. She wanted to do that as an activity and requested for me me to make I think like I forget six or ten of these things, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course, let's do that. And uh then uh and I I to 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 manage that process, I did a drawing. It was a funny it's a, it's a silly doodle of of uh, I think it's a cat with a scarf and racing goggles in a little cartoon car, right? And I needed to make a bunch of those, so I I rigged up uh, something to hold and what we had an old projector around. It's like, this is, this thing literally projects at like 800 by 600 resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good enough. Right. So I, I, I hooked it up through the right dongles, got it, you know, projecting of uh, whatever. So then I, I, I pointed it down at, at, you know, to, to be the right size in the canvases. And then I just, I would just draw on that canvas, next canvas, draw on that, can- essentially retrace my art. And uh, cranked them out. Neat. I don't know. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. See, I mean, I remember there were uh, art projectors that were being marketed back even when I was a kid that were uh, for that purpose, right? It was like, do your, mm-hmm. do, do your doodle on a, on a post-it note and then like project it on your canvas so you can do your painting kind of thing. Um, but that's cool. Like, yeah, like I didn't occur to me. I could even get like one of those little Pico projectors for that purpose too, right? It's like you don't need super high def, right? I know Pico projectors are like this thing. It's like, um, I, uh, I long for a Pico projector for some reason. I've, I've window shopped Pico projectors for years and I still, I, I'm like, I just, we, I've, I've held just in back. case we should probably descri- describe what a Pico projector is. If anybody hasn't seen them in their Instagram ads. Okay. What's funny is that I'm not targeted yet on Instagram. I don't know how I haven't left the digital cookie trail to be, permanently haunted by pico projectors but anyway the pico projector is like roughly the size of your hand like roughly an, an um you know average adult hand that is maybe as thick as a deck of cards maybe a couple decks of cards and it's a digital projector and you can throw you can project at a wall or uh you know piece of paper or whatever it's it's neat um it's uh, it's one of those things where I don't know why, but like just the idea of being able to project at a wall and collaborate. Right, right. I was just thinking like, like this, this, this is very much your thing. It's like I might want to do a presentation or collaborate with people at any given time, right? I'm at a bus anytime. stop and somebody's yeah. like, hey, you want to collaborate on a software project? You bet. Let's, let's, let's start. <laughs> and we'll talk about this in the second ad break. But this, like, this is we could start our journey mapping together right here with my laptop and this projector <laughs> on, the, on the bus stop, uh, you know, overhang thing. Yeah. 
Uh, so we do have a few more things that we could cover, but so maybe we'll see what comes up naturally as we explore uh, more of the 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 question of like yeah. when when it makes sense to to tackle these things on your own. And that sounds good to me. Yeah. So let's let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about like some of the thinking behind our the way we do this decision making process when we encounter these little tiny creative challenges. Uh, before we do that, there'll, there'll be about a minute and thirty seconds till we get there. Uh, and in the meantime, we got to thank some people who make this show possible. And those people happen to be the folks who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Alina Tuart is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in us and what we do, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, and you can cancel at any time. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that. First up, Carrie Goble-Billick, Mushin Girl. Thank you so much for supporting us uh, at Lean Into Art or patreon.com slash Lean Into Art. You can find Carrie at Mushin Girl on all the platforms. And Jesse Kaufman, longtime friend of the show, has been on the show before. Thank you, Jesse, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Jesse on Twitter at Jesse Kaufman. Sophie Lawson. You can find Sophie on Twitter at Sophie Lawson Art. Thank you, Sophie. Also, Nate Marcel. Thank you, Nate, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Nate on Twitter at Great Sea Monster. And finally, thank you to the mysterious K for believing in us for as long as you have. We don't know who you are, but we appreciate your support. And you can join them at patreon.com slash leanintoart where you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record in between episodes. And it's a they're posted only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can take the conversation wherever you want in a safe place where only fellow leaners hang out. Once again, patreon.com slash lean into art. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us there. It means a lot to us. It does. It's awesome, and we just really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, wow. All right. So, um... This is kind of funny. This this whole this this problem solving uh, odds well, and ends format. Yeah, why? Yeah, it's 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 kind of fun. Um, I I think I'm just thinking out loud that this this is a fun this is a fun format. I think for us and also this is a nice thing where we could easily uh, share a bunch of leaner stuff here too. If you know folks That's who write true. in, and, That's true. That, let's let's open up that call and say like, hey, there's a contact button or a keep in touch button on the leanintoart.com website where you can reach out to us and write us a message and you give us permission to share it on the show and we could put together uh, a series of odds and ends episodes with these kinds of little journeys. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Super cool. Yeah. Um so where where were you going when we were heading into this um this next section um well i like what you you put together sort of like a little rubric for it you know how to testing out when we when we encounter these problems whether Mm -hmm. it's you know let's get some things printed okay well how do i investigate this uh i think i want to do a watercolor comic well how do i investigate this um you know how how do we decide and how do we come up with this systematic way of doing the problem solving um you put together like a little like series of like questions to ask yourself they're great okay well um all right cool that i it's i'd like to try to um get some kind of triangulation different perspectives on like why am why am i going about this because honestly there's situations like a pico projector i it's like a tool i've wanted forever and i don't and I just haven't come up with the reason enough reason for it. And because you know, I ask myself stuff like, well, like what 
is this a medium that I'm trying to create in? Do I like this? Um, is there something I can learn through this? And I, do I want to learn this? Why am I curious about this? And, uh, and is there some sort of learning curve that I may have to uh, practice in order to know more that, like, let's say, um, yeah, I want to get a Pico projector because I totally want to do some side gigs, you know, doing murals on walls. Oh my God, that's a lot of variables. <laughs> uh, I need to learn way more before I would know that I'm would be like good enough. Like how long does it take to learn enough to get good enough at that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't, it's, it's impossible. And like, well, I shouldn't say impossible. It is exceedingly difficult to guess at that, or it's exceedingly risky to guess at that. Well, how, how hard can it be? Right. Then we get into <laughs> nothing's easier than someone else's discipline. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, That's a, that is another you, right? t-shirt. That is another t-shirt. Nothing's easier than someone else's discipline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the definition of mythology is other people's religions. It's like, yeah, the definition is if easy is what somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah it's um i guess i there's a story that i had in the first section that we could rope into like this idea of like determining learning curve is um i have been on a multi-year quest to de detangle myself from the adobe ecosystem um not not of any i'm not i don't have like hostility towards adobe but like the idea of paying a monthly fee for a, a suite of software that in some cases i only use occasionally I find is a little difficult. It's it's too big of an ask for me. So it's like, okay, well, now that we're in this like subscription service era, are there any kinds of software I can find that that do the job, but um, but I can own it outright, or maybe even better if it's like open source freeware, something that like but there's like a community that I can donate to instead to help develop this thing and to keep it open to all, um, and. The latest one I was trying to decouple myself from was uh, Adobe InDesign. So I use InDesign a lot for the pagination of different comics projects I do for the uh, Seriously Coalition in uh, Chelsea, Michigan. And, um, you know, it's now that I'm on a Windows machine uh, and I have an old, old license to like Photoshop 6 from like the, the, the what, mid to late 90s. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I and think it, that's the one I started. I started with Photoshop 6 in the 90s. Yeah. Double check. Yeah, it's Photoshop 6.0 is what I've got on my machine. Uh yeah, back from when I worked at a newspaper when I was like in my mid 20s. Um anyway, so um I <laughs> what? Not that yeah, it just it funny. Um you know, there's uh Yes. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I, I'm trying to uh, not hang the obvious lamp lampshades on. Like when you've been around for a while, you know, you've got old tools and the old tools oh, laying around yeah. or whatever. I'm in, that, I'm in that boat all over the place, you know, and, it's been, and you encounter these, um, these things that like, hey, turns out computers existed back then. <laughs> and, you know, they, it just, yeah. Uh, it, so it, what's funny is like Photoshop six, it has layer support. It has undo support. Cause remember like Photoshop three, I think you only had one undo. Um, like the, like the history palette was introduced later. Right. Uh, uh, and, sure. And, yeah. And, undo was an innovation. Yeah. 
at multiple yeah. undoes was like a big innovation. Um, mm-hmm. But Photoshop 6 doesn't have uh, batch processing. So I can't do like an automated task and like batch mm. process a bunch of images. I think um, that didn't come around till Photoshop 9. So anyway, so it, it's, yeah. it's serviceable for like certain things, like removing blue lines from my art, right? Because I could just go into the channels, get, isolate the blue channel, get rid of it, and, you know, export it as a grayscale image. So I, that's the only reason I keep it around is for that purpose. Um, but I don't have InDesign on my Windows machine. I have it on a crusty old Mac that barely works anymore. And, like, I was using it, and I was like, this is – it's taking far too long to do the work that I need to do. Um, there must be some other options. And I looked into some other options, and I found – um, two different apps. One was Scribus, one uh, which is. Oh. It, have you heard of this? Yeah, isn't that is Scribus? Scribus is isn't that a um, open source app? It is an open source app. So I was playing yeah. with that one first, and I was like, okay, but it looks like it's going to take me a little while to get where I need to be with it. I downloaded it, and I have every intention of using it, but I knew that the learning curve was going to be a little bit steep. Uh, not steep. It's good. It was good to have some cost associated with it, and I really needed to get some work done on um, an InDesign, rather a design document. And so then I also discovered Affinity Designer. Have you heard about or Affinity Publisher? I should say. Have you heard about this one? You don't know. Not I've heard of an Affinity Designer, but not Publisher. What's so? So Affinity is trying to do their own version of the Adobe apps, but go back to they're they're competing by being the previous model. <laughs> so it's like here's here's your you know desktop here's your uh, image editing here's your photo editing here's your um, you know design and uh, vector editing here's your InDesign uh, you know. Uh, type of app and it all is interoperating. It's like a suite of apps, but it's like forty bucks an app. Right. So that's not bad. Interesting. So I I wonder if it supports the format. (laughs) I have so many projects in in the dot AI file format. Yeah. I I don't no, I don't think it supports um InDesign documents. I think that 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 format is proprietary enough that they couldn't do it. Oh no. Okay, I was looking at Affinity Designer because I'll Again, I, yeah, I'm in, in similar boat where it's just like that that recurring monthly fee. It's it's tough. It's, it was kind of like where you could sort of go a version or two and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to worry about upgrading this year my whole suite of Adobe tools, right? Mm-hmm. But I could go. I'll do it. I'll budget for it next year or what have you. But now it's just a constant, you know, n number of bucks per month. Uh, right. So this is tempting. So it was tempting enough for me where I need to get the work done fast. And I looked at the, they had, um, Affinity Publisher had a, uh, a beta demo you could download as they were finishing developing the application. And I downloaded it and looked at it. I was like, oh, this corresponds very closely to the InDesign interface, which I know very well because I've been using it for years. So it's like, it is very, it's so much less painful for me to drop the $40 on this app and just get it now, get the work done now, rather than spend who who knows how much time learning a new interface with this this open source one? I still want to learn the open source one because I would like to get to that point uh, eventually, right? I'd like to go full mm-hmm. vegan, as it were. Right now, right now, I'm still eating cheese. <laughs> okay. Um, uh. Does that correspond? Anyway, but but that was just to, like support this notion of what you're talking about, like is finding out what the learning curve is to this thing. Like, so going back to the Pico projector idea, it's like, well. You know what made it a lot more compelling of an idea to me is when 
Because like I was thinking about how I would just like to have it in my bag when I go to teach workshops because I never know what the technology uh, setup is going to be at every event. Like I, I can get a sense of it, and most of the time my uh, hosting orgs are very open and, and clear with me. But every once in a while, I, I work with a school where they're like, I get there and they're like, oh, you wanted a projector? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll just work with a flip chart. And I'm, and I'm flexible that way, but it'd be cool to be able to be like, hey, totally got the MacGyver bag here, boop, 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 set this up, and now we're running with, you know, I'm going to do digital drawing from everybody. But... Mm-hmm. That's that's like one use case. But if I can also say, and I can hook it up to like a rig and we could project onto a big canvas and we could do some really big drawings together, that's now I just got like, you know, now it's a multitasker. And now I can I can uh, justify that sixty to eighty dollars that I'd be spending on it, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes. Justifying. So that's the th- that that's the thing, like I could I can propose to myself all sorts of tools you know all day every day because of the fun and excitement whatever so that's where i try to ask enough questions where it sort of pokes holes in my own arguments Mm -hmm. you know it's like so i can't just keep saying but pico projectors come on (laughs) you know how awesome that is there's something really cool (laughs) There's something like this is very moving about like technology that was once this big being this big, right? <laughs> yeah. Projectors. It's, it's, yeah. It's be huge. Going back to like the old man talk, because I remember when the first iPod came out and like its, it's big selling point was like a thousand songs inside of a de- device the size of a deck of cards. And like that was that was all they needed to say to me. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I told Leanne, she's like, I don't know if we have a thousand songs. You know, I was like, we don't have an extensive CD collection. I'm like, but it's the size of a deck of cards. You can put it in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I'm a light touch when it comes to that. <laughs> uh. I know I am too. I am too. So like I've, I've, I've picked Pico projectors where I've drawn the line where I'm like, until, <laughs> until I can fully justify that thing. So, um, yeah. Okay. So what is there, is there any situation? So how affinity designer and plus scribus, that seems pretty cool. I did a little bit of searching too, as far as, um, other people are hunting on the hunt for the same kind of need. Absolutely. Like the, Going yeah. from, you know, these going essentially from the the world of InDesign, it's just a more complex um, situation. The, the the final the final one for me that I want to solve is finding something that can do what Adobe Bridge does. Because like one thing that I really love about Bridge, I don't oh. use it a lot, but the one thing I used it, uh, the the one reason I opened it a lot was. That's it. That, that's a weird sentence. I didn't use all of its functionality, but one thing I used whenever I used it, there we go, is how you could just like select a whole bunch of images and just say, give me a PDF of that, right? That, that business mm. is nice. I think actually Windows has that built into it, but for some reason it always puts my images out of order. So if I like say like we've got like 35 JPEGs from a comic I'm working on and I just want to make a quick PDF of it, it'll do it. I can just group them and say like make a PDF and it says, sure. It's like, here's all your pages. Like, but why are they out of order? I don't know. I'm Windows. So, and, and I tried to. <laughs> <laughs> One pile of PDF coming up right up. But I Hi, I'm Windows. Way. Here you go. Here's your PDFs. Uh, but, but I, I, I try to figure out why it does it that way. And like, can I, 
you know, maybe if I do do a different like window view so that I can look at in list mode with like, you know, latest added versus, you know, alphabetical by title. It never it never puts them in the proper order. It always doesn't in some like obscure uh, ranking system that I can't figure out. So, um, but yeah, if I, if I can figure out like solve that problem, then I don't need to touch Adobe products again, except for removing blue lines. Uh, so there's two. Then there's like removing blue lines from my artwork in some other app besides Photoshop. But like I said, I have that old version of Photoshop that works fine on my Windows machine. So there's no reason for me to disentangle from that. There, there's probably an option. Like, so there's, I mean, in the world of command line tools and scripting and stuff, there's definitely like Python libraries that can help as far as reordering stuff in, uh, with PDFs. Uh, a Mac itself, when you have the, the preview app lets you move stuff and save a PDF, uh, reordering it. And, and, um, the built in again in the Mac world, um, automator is really powerful as far as being able to, um, do stuff with PDF, like that whole make a throw a bunch of uh, files at a P at, at something to generate a PDF. Yeah. Matt can do that easily with automator. Mm. Um, yeah. But, um, and, and also there are scripts in uh, Python. I've been looking there's, there's, I always have a list of like, um, like a playground of, of, I want to automate this thing next. And, and it's, I treat it less aggressive. I, like Pico projectors are going to have to like prove something big to me before it shows up just because I'm just too vulnerable to Pico projectors. So, um, this, uh, uh, <laughs> it's like the idea of us being like, this is our Sears catalog. Like when we were kids, you look at the Sears catalog, uh, around yeah. Christmas time, like, oh, I'll have two of those and three of those. Like now it's yeah. like, it's, it's an Amazon ad for a Pika projector showing up on our Facebook feed and we're laying on our stomachs going like, oh, oh no, what do you want that for? I don't so know. Awesome. I just want it. Uh, yep. Shadowing Tronics is, is typing in the chat about the exporting PDFs out of windows. Uh, the trick is the order you select them. It says, I usually have to do a few tries before I get it done. Hmm. That's good to know. I'll, I'll try it that cool. way. I'll try doing it that way and see if that makes a difference for me um i'm betting that's it it's probably something as simple as that hi i'm windows okay um but so do do uh i know i like windows actually windows 10 is is like pretty great um but yeah it's nice i mean i i haven't had any regrets about switching over uh, well a couple but anyway uh interesting questions to explore let's go back to your questions and see if we can dig it just a couple of them a little bit deeper um do I like this medium? Is this something I would like to learn? Why am I curious about this? So when I think about like the watercolor comic, I did ask myself some hard questions as to like, it started with an intuition that, you know what, for the tone of this particular story, I think watercolor would be the right medium for it. And then the next question is, of course, why? Well, why would you say that? Um, and I, and, cause like, why not just do it with say, why not do it with zip tones? Why not do it digitally? Why not do it with a variety of tools? Why this tool and not that tool? Is it just because you took a watercolor class and been practicing watercolor and you're very excited about it? Is it as simple as that? If so, you better try to sell me on this a little bit harder, right? Don't don't pico projector me with this watercoloring thing. Come <laughs> come come up with some more reasons, right? Um, and so I, and I thought about it. I was like, well, the, the the I'm trying to go for something that feels kind of uh, old timey and spooky. And I really want this to feel like some of my childhood nightmares. I want, I'm trying to do like a, a, a straight up like 
uh, not horror, but a mysterious kind of spooky book, uh, mm. or rather pitch for one. And I think that the slick look that I achieve on things like Amazon Academy is inappropriate for this. Uh, if I feel like it needs to be a little bit more analog looking, and if we wanted to get really analog looking, let's go all the way analog, right? I, I think that that will contribute to the, the visual tone as I imagine the scenes that I want to put together for this book. Um, also, I would like it to look a little bit like how French comics looks. Like I, I know I'm not going to get all the way to Yohan Safar, but mm. I'd like to like step in that direction. I want to take two steps to the right towards towards you know. Uh, Oh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Bande Désinée, right? Uh, French French comics. So, mm. um, I don't know if you ever read uh, Trondheim's Dungeon, but like, uh, it's a fabulous, fabulous comic, and uh, it's it's so visually dense and full of humor, yet it feels dank and drippy because I mean, it takes place in a dungeon, but it's like talking animals in a dungeon, and it's like sort of sword and sorcery, medieval knight animals and pirates in a dungeon um wonderful book sounds like, pretty cool you have to check it out um so but yeah it's like like i thought about like okay well these are the things that are influencing what look i want and they are done ink on paper let's do that um so yeah so like i answered the question like why am i curious about this why why do i want to solve this problem this particular way and do i even like doing this well yes i've done lots of testing over the last couple of years practicing watercoloring and finding that as I, you know, leveled up at it, it wound up becoming a, a very pleasurable way to draw. So yeah, uh, I guess just trying to demonstrate that, that idea of like building the system by asking yourself some questions as to what, what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it that way. And yeah, exactly. And yeah. whatever the questions, they don't have to be these questions. They essentially try to interview yourself to really get to the bottom of it. And, uh, that's using self interviews and it's a, I find it pretty handy. Like I've, I've been gathering a bunch of questions that I've used for different projects and stuff and maybe I'll turn it into a book or something. But like, it's, uh, it's the, like the, just digging in and it's in whatever, um, like whatever your thought process is able to, you know, getting, you know, getting some sight on it and saying like, ah, I see this is what I'm trying to go for. And this is what I'm getting at. I do really love the, 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 the experience of the watercolors. And I want that to come through in, in, into my next project. I want my next project to not just be designed about its profitability, but I want it to be fun. That's, you know, and, and that, that can be enough. And it's, it's in like, whatever is enough. It isn't, like again, like whatever questions help you dig in, and you know get it, get some insight on your own approach. That's great. Um, and so for me, like as far as why even do that, because you don't have to, right? I mean, it's just uh, to me, it's it's just go. It it puts it in the realm of um, you know, like design is is problem solving, having some kind of intent and seeing you know where you can get with it. I tend to at some point if I'm not doing this, just spin my wheels and you know, where's the finish line and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this, this, this help this sets me up to likely not get stuck like that. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I, another question I would add to that list is, uh, are you adding any additional costs with regard to, you know, like materials or time in doing it this way? And is this, is, is that cost, uh, paid for by the result? Right. Um, cause like, so like one of the things that I think about is like, I, 
I really, really deeply dislike scanning artwork. I mean, I, I find it so tedious and I'm so frustrated by how long it takes. And it's, it takes just long enough that I have to sit and wait for it to happen, but it takes, it's just short enough that I can't go do something else while it's happening, right? Like there, and there's no way to automate it, right? So it's, it's, this, it's this unpleasant, dreary thing that I have to attend to. And, and I, just, I just stare with just deep resentment at my scanner while it's doing it. Time for laughing. <laughs> no, I... It is, that is a trap now. Now I don't like scanning. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. Like, I was talking about this with Ben Hackey when he was in town for A2CAF, and he's like, oh, I really enjoy it. I'm like, why? Why would you enjoy such a, a terrible thing? He's like, oh, because it's very meditative, and you can do other things. I'm like, no, you can't. Like, I can't even go and get a cup of coffee. By the time I get the cup of coffee, it's done scanning, and now I forgot which one part I scanned. I forget which, like, which half of the page. So, like... Another thing I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about, um, what, if I do this, and if let, let's say the book gets picked up, and like now I got to do this whole book, uh, would it like what's the cost benefit analysis of getting a really nice high end large format scanner, right? Which is going to be, I think they still run around a thousand dollars. So that's like, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money. But like that, and I got to figure out like okay, how much time am I going to save by being able to do like one pass instead of two, and then having to put it together with again going back to Adobe products again with uh, what is that called the um, photo merge filter, Ooh. which is great. It's a very very it's a, it's a wonderful innovation in the software that we didn't have ten years ago. You know, take these two halves of the scan that I did and make it into one image. But um, mm-hmm. but I wonder if Clip has that. I bet Clip does have that. Anyway. Um. Yeah, it's like that's like another cost I'm introducing by by exploring this. So yes, more fun to do. I like the results, but now I'm looking into like this dark, dark tunnel of scanning. Can I get Can I get an intern <laughs> to come over here and scan the work for me? Your Your time is less valuable than mine. You stare at this thing. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the um. Yeah, I mean, the they can come up with their own, you know, maybe maybe they've they've there's a way to to uh improve the task with a fresh with a fresh set of eyes. But like um no, I don't that that is interesting. The uh yep, collaborating, uh hiring it out, automating it. I mean, these are common business problems, right? What what do you do and and what what makes sense for uh I guess your interest and budget and you know, overall recipe for the project. Um, yeah, scanning. That's funny. I forgot how much you dislike it. It, um, so far, uh, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've not had to scan anything that big in, in, in like when I tried to scan things in the old days, m- well, what's funny, like my scanning, I guess speaking, thinking of old technology, uh, have you ever heard of thunder scan? No, but I love the name. What is Thunderscan? I'm gonna look it up. So Thunderscan was uh, was an an app and an a little add on for the Apple Image Writer two. And this, uh, so you would uh, it looked. You remember like print ribbons for the old Apple printers, right? Uh-huh. It looked like a big old thing, like a like a cassette, whatever. You snap that into the printer. In this case, instead of like printing on the paper, you put your artwork into the printer and then the thunder scan would let's go zip, 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 zip across the page. 
and then okay. it would appear in on your Mac. Original. Wow. Mac. Wow. What was the resolution on that? I don't remember. Pretty low. I don't think I knew what resolution was at the time. Right. Yeah. It was totally like a bitmap image. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. 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 So understand. But um, <laughs> no, it's just, it was hard too. Where scanning, uh, you ever use one of those handheld scanners too? I've never used one of those, but I remember seeing them like being advertised in a lot of the different tech magazines in the nineties. Yeah. So I would scan my large like pencil drawings or whatever with those sometimes and uh, with, with great pain and great patience because that is moving your hand along a thing. Yeah. And then doing it again <laughs> at a, you have to do it at, within a pretty tight margin, pretty low margin for error. Like if you go a little bit to an angle or go eat, eat, like just move your hand just a little bit. That, that was, that was rough. So I don't know. Mm. Scanning. Yeah. But I, I, I was like, well, I guess these are, this art is forgotten for, for, you know, for the, in, from the digital world until it catches up to when I can do this. Shadowing is chiming in on scanning saying scanning is a good time to watch a video or play a little trip peaks. You know, it's, but that's just it. It's like, am I, maybe I don't know if I should go get tested for some kind of attention uh, issues because if I do anything else, I'll forget what I just scanned. And, and like, if it'll come time to name it or like put it where it's supposed to go and I'll be like, I, what, which one is it? And I'll pick it up and then the page will come out and I'll be like, that, which side that I scan or which end? Like, so like when I'm scanning something like this size, I'll do the top half and the bottom half. Right. Uh, and I just, I'll just lose track with what I'm doing and I just get so frustrated. So like I have to stare at it and then like once it's done, like, you know, change its name format because the, the scanner I've got is like not an awesome scanner and it, the software is really kind of junky and it's like uh, it scans it with like a pre-designated name that I have to change afterwards. And like I could change what the initial name is, but then it's anyway. So like I got top half, bottom half. I have to rename them when I do that. So <laughs> that's no fun. I, I, I feel like I'm entering into like old man yells at cloud territory when I start talking about this. But uh, it, it, it is a pain point that I think I need to be ready for should I make the leap over to doing this, this watercolor pitch. It's worth thinking about. Another thing, it's worth considering, I mean, old man automates yelling at cloud. <laughs> That's my approach. Well, if I had a large flatbed, I could do it in one scan, and then it could be named, you know, I could just call it, you know, project name, and then it'll just call them project name one, project name two, project name three, you know, as I'm scanning each one. That would make my life a lot easier. So maybe this is just a situation where I would enjoy it more if I had a large format scanner so i didn't have to do this piecemeal thing so yeah always a puzzle okay. sounds like a problem <laughs> <laughs> thanks rob <laughs> thanks for your support <laughs> I don't <wish> so. <sighs> that's good okay uh are we at time for are we heading into final thought time yeah i think so i mean okay. this is a. Uh, this is a good collection. Is there a there a question that you wanted to um, to revisit, or was there? Um, I I am fascinated by some of the other things that that uh, that you wrote down here. Okay. The uh, we covered two of them, but there do one more. Okay. 
Uh, sure. So how about we'll cover one last problem-solving thing, uh, an odd and end that we ran into. Once again, I do want to emphasize, if you guys have some of these little stories of your own that you want to share with us, it's leanintoart.com. Go to the Keep in Touch link on the, the website. And as a matter of fact, I will pull it up right now before we head into the break. I think if you, yeah, go to leanintoart.com slash contact. Oh, so it's right here, contact. And then it'll take you to this form so you can give us your name, your email address, your Twitter handle, and then your message. And then you can grant us permission to read the, on mic, uh, you know, so you can be part of the, the next Odds and Ends episode. So, okay. Mm. Um, yes. And so we'll take on final thought in just a second. Uh, another couple minutes, but we got to thank some more people who make the show possible. Those people happen to be us. We make the show possible. We make stuff. And then we bring the thoughts that occur to us while we make the stuff to the show as we've been demonstrating this episode. The thing I make that I hope you will check out today is Amazon Academy. It's a webcomic I'm working on with my friend Dan Mishkin. Um, Dan Mishkin, who, you know, DC Comics writer who created the character Blue Devil, Amethyst Princess of Gem World, um, and uh, wrote Wonder Woman for a long time, wrote some issues of Superman, and now we're working together on this comic about a school for Amazons for uh, where both American girls and Amazon girls can go to learn the ways of the Amazon, sort of like the ethos. But there's a mystery involved uh, because one of the taglines of the series is every girl has secrets. And we start the story with this Amazon being chased by other Amazons and she's hiding this baby someplace. And we don't know who the baby is. And then 13 years later, we're in the school and we're seeing all these different girl characters. Which one was the baby that the Amazon was hiding? And what is, what is the secret behind the baby? Well, if you start reading at AmazonAcademy.net, or you can also buy the first issue on IndiePlanet.com. Just do a search for Amazon Academy. Um, and the comic's going to start updating again very soon. I've resumed work on it now that we're past A2 CAF. So, Rob, you made a class. I did. Yeah, Amazon Academy is super. It's a really cool comic and beautiful. I Yeah, I need to, uh, I need to pick up that, that first one. And uh, is there an easy link to pick that up, by the way? What, the Amazon Academy the- uh, comic? Uh, no, it's just, it's just, it's at Indie Planet right now. Uh, that's just go to IndiePlanet.com and then there's a search bar. You can search for my name and actually I've got a bunch of comics on Indie Planet that you can purchase, uh, to the, to this day. Nice. They're, they're a great service. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. I made a class. It's, um, it, it sort of encapsulates some, it's, it's under this, it's almost a MacGuffin, right? It's, it's, it's about drawing user journey maps. Drawing user journey maps is a handy thing to, to unbox your, your, your ideas about putting yourself in the shoes of your, your audience. And what did the experience win? What's it like before they, just before they start using your product? Where were they? How do you reach them? And then what happens as things progress? That's powerful and very useful. It's good user centric, uh, concept to work through and, and, and to, to, produce that kind of thing for conversation and helping collaboration, doing research where you really know what that journey is. That's neat. That's useful. And drawing that out, it's, it's handy. I mean, it's in, in a way it's like a simple, like, like, you know, this as as storytellers, like writing out a sequence of events, the storyboard, what have you, where it gets super useful is it in, is it as a collaboration mechanism? And that's the, that's the real um, that's the heart of this class that I that I put together, drawing uh, user journey maps uh, to help you collaborate. And it, um, it's available on Skillshare. It's like a 47-minute class, and it goes into a variety of things as far as like 
like thinking about the tools, like when, when and how would you want to do this? I end up demonstrating it in an analog way, uh, but you could do it digital and whatnot too. So it covers, you know, basics of tools and when would you want to do this and uh, how would you get set up to succeed? And what does it look like as far as you helping bring together different perspectives of yourself or your team? If you're working solo, it recommends essentially putting on these different hats as far as thinking, thinking from, a business problem solving standpoint, thinking from a design problem solving standpoint, including your users, and also thinking about like the builders and engineers. And so you weave that all together and you've got a pretty strong idea of like what you can do next to move a project forward. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty handy and it's, it's, it encapsulates a lot of stuff that I've, um, that, that I've worked on quite a bit in the last six years and received a lot of great feedback on and, and have honed. And here you go. If you go to robstenziger.com, find the link on my homepage, just click on drawing user journey maps. You can sign up for Skillshare or just start taking the class if you're already signed up. Uh, if you're not signed up yet for Skillshare, you get like uh, a couple months free. So pretty neat. It's like essentially a um, like a, a Netflix style service where there is there's sort of either you pay it once a year or pay it once a month and you have access to all the stuff, all these different classes folks are teaching out there and there's a lot of great things. Um, then yeah, anyway, check it out. It, that's at robstenzinger.com. There's the image right there on the bottom, right next to the Lean Into Artcast logo. You can't miss it. So, but if you're here because you like the way we think about stuff and not so much the stuff we make, fair enough. The, sh the show is a thing we make. Although I would argue that the Skillshare class that Rob just described is very much like this thing that you're listening to right now, just minus me. It's just, it's all Rob and it's, you know, 47 minutes long. But there's more things like it at leanatart.com slash workshops where you can download self-contained classes at a price of your choosing, even free. If you're watching the video on YouTube right now, giving it a thumbs up helps more people find the show. And if you're listening to it in a podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show, if you could go to the director and give us a five-star rating, that helps more people find the show as well. And we thank everybody who has been doing those things. It means a lot to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Final thought. What do you want to do for final thought? What do you have in mind? Well, um, let's see. There's a... Uh, there's. I don't know. You, you had another interesting thing as far as uh, like you, you're trying to use your, um, is it a galaxy note for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, like, I guess, how did that come about? And, and what's this, what's this situation? This so, problem you're working on? So yeah. Um, after killing two galaxy note twos three or four years ago, uh, like right in a row, like I just like for some reason I, I was using them normally. I, I wasn't doing anything weird. I wasn't jailbreaking them or, you know, like rooting any, you know, new uh, OSs onto them or anything. Um, but like they just like, you know, bricked. And I tried, you know, a lot of different ways to resuscitate them. Couldn't get them to come back. Switched to using an iPhone after that and found that I was really, really sad having this piece of glass in my pocket that could do all these things except draw <laughs> like you could do so much i could record podcasts on it i could like take wonderful photographs on it. i can network with my friends on it. i could talk on it but i can't draw on it and um so i got a cheap used galaxy note 4 which is what they're working on the 10 right now so it's it's an old phone and it's kind of it's kind of laggy you know but um, it's still great for drawing on, and it's got a Wacom, what is it, is it the EMS digitizer? It's the one where you don't need a battery for the pen. And it's mm. 
it's pretty nice and responsive and it's you know it's a five and a half inch screen so it's just big enough that you can use it as a sketchbook now one would say why don't you use a real sketchbook yes i do i carry a sketchbook around me with me everywhere but here is the thing is that there was this app that i got very excited about called ibis paint x i don't know if you heard about this one rob I've heard of it, but yeah, I have not really, I don't have a lot of experience with Ibis Paint. It's a pretty nice looking uh, drawing application that supports multiple layers, blending modes, it has a lot of great tools that you would use in a desktop app. It's a little stripped down because it's for a phone, uh, but the, the key feature that made my eyes widen was like you can start a drawing in it export it to Clip Studio Paint format and upload it to your Clip Studio account. So Clip Studio recently, recently, like the last year or two, ran this feature with the application where there's Clip Studio Paint, the drawing application, and then there's Clip Studio, which is sort of like a cloud account that you have with which you can store, you know, in-progress documents. Um, mm. I, I forget how much storage it gives you initially. It's not a whole lot, but it, it also becomes like sort of like a, a, a marketplace to purchase different like material files, like 3D files, the texture files, different kinds of pen tips and so on, brushes. Um, but it's, it's also your cloud account so that if you have any in-progress works, you can save them to a cloud account. So if you work in different on different terminals or different computers, you can, and you, let's say you don't want to sync everything through like your OneDrive or Dropbox, you can just sync it through your Clip Studio account. And so this phone app, Ibis Paint X, allows you to export to your Clip Studio account. So I could start sketching something on the road. Weird. It's totally, it's not the same company and it, it lets it's you do totally, that. It, yeah, it's not the same company, but totally lets you do that. And like we were talking off mic about how like on the iPad Clip Studio, it's like, it's like really, it can be challenging sometimes to get your files off of the iPad onto some other service, right? Well, this is like, this solves this problem really elegantly where it's like, okay, well, I could just start the drawing, start a comics page here, upload it to my Clip Studio account or sync it with that. And then I can go to my desktop machine and just continue working on it. And it supports all the layers and it's, you know, the proper format and everything. Uh, I hadn't done any testing with like doing any lettering and like play with, but I was mostly thinking of it as like, well, now my phone, this, this big phone that I have in my pocket becomes a way for me to just like do some visual development of stuff for my comics work. And, and as a matter of fact, some of the stuff that I have drawn for desktop images for the Boulder and Fleet, um, uh, Patreon, once again, patreon.com slash jersey, uh, started out as a phone sketch. I started as a phone sketch and then exported mm. to Clip Studio Paint and then finished the drawing and then, you know, and, and it's done. But the one thing that I was frustrated about with Ibis Paint is it's it's got a pro model where you have to pay a certain amount so you don't see ads, but you also have to pay a certain amount so that you can use all the brushes. There's like a ton of brushes, but like you can either watch an ad or pay the pro account to unlock the brushes for 24 hours or rather watch an ad to unlock the brushes for 24 hours or pay the pro account. Like I forget what it is, 25 bucks or something like that to, uh, to like <sighs> unlock everything, which I, I feel like that's, that's a fair thing to ask. But then, um, I was trying to like play around with the brushes and mess with them to like get just the right amount of um, texture to some of the brushes because uh, I, I made this brush in Metabang Paint that like mimics what a um, how a graphite pencil looks on paper, just like that irregularity of the line, just like a little bit of a texture to it. Super not that important, but it just contributes to my pleasure of the drawing experience where it looks like I'm drawing on paper kind of thing. Um, for some reason, I don't need it to feel like I'm drawing on paper as much as it, is, it feels better if it looks like I'm drawing on paper, if that makes any sense. 
Um, and it's just that you can't monkey with the brushes as easily in Ibis Paint. And if you get more than three layers, at least on my old Galaxy Note 4, it's just it's just too darn laggy. It's it, I can't draw anything that's high enough resolution um, or with enough like layers in it to where it's it starts getting in the way of me having a good time drawing. So I had to, like I was telling a student, we were having a, a Instagram chat about this because he was using it too. And he was report, running into the same problems. And I was like, yeah, I really wanted to like this app. I showed up with like a bouquet of flowers going like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to be friends with you for a long time. And it's like, it just, it was too much trouble. And so I, I'm going back to using Metabank Paint on my phone as my, which you know, you can export to OneDrive. So I can just export the file as a PSD file, which I can also open a Metabank Paint and I just sync it on my OneDrive account and I can still get it that way. So, so that, that's okay. the, the journey I went through. It's, uh, no, I'm a fan of, of being able to to draw on on a phone. It's like, why not? Why, why, why can't we? And it's just, it's hard being in the Apple ecosystem for the most part, uh, not entirely, but, but quite a bit there, there's odd little fences and limitations. And, and I know, you know, you're, we're, we're in a quirky minority, I, I suppose, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, but certainly there's a market for people who want to draw on their phone. I end up just using little, um, there's, uh, I've done a couple of, of doodly animations and whatnot that, um, they're, I mean, they're very stick figure like, but I haven't done a ton of drawing on my phone because it's sort of, I have to, you know, work around the idea that, you know, I need to carry a stylus that's not as precise as a, um, like the Apple pencil, Apple pencil works awesome on the iPad, of course. Oh, I've but, used it um, it's great, but like, yeah. And actually if they, it seems like they could roll that functionality out into their bigger phones, but that pencil is just so darn big. They would have to do a, a tinier version of the pencil. So it doesn't look like you're walking around with like drumstick <laughs> trying to draw on your phone. But the, the drawing experience is wonderful. And it's just like, well, let me have it on a little, little screen too. That would be nice. Yep. No, that's cool. And the, 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 uh, the galaxy is not a bad, not a bad device. I'm, I've I've played with them a little bit. I, I like those things. So, hmm, interesting. And the the older models are not that expensive. I mean, no, they're not. I mean, like the, the you can get a, a Galaxy Note three for like 150 bucks on eBay. Um, nice. But just it the the software the the, the TouchWiz um, what are they, what do they call that the launcher on it. Uh, and and the, the the Android software on it is just it's it's just it's slow. And we've talked about this before too. Is like Android, like I don't know how it is in the newer Android versions, but on the old ones, it's just like everything wants to run. Everything if you got you got six apps on there, all six apps are running all the time. You know, it's like you have to constantly shut them down. Like stop running. But you need to know the weather now. No, I don't. I'll ask you when I want to know the weather. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. It, it 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 is funny. It's every every ecosystem has their has their quirks. And honestly, using a stylus um, on the on the iPhone that's you know not Apple Pencil, it's not bad. It's okay. It's yeah. just not as not as nice as that little like that that well crafted right sized pen that the, the the notes use. So yeah, they are really cool. They're really nice. So so yeah. Well, so, uh, it, Going back to like MetaBang is still great because you can sync your instances of MetaBang Paint like from your desktop to your because um, it also has a cloud 
syncing thing like it does the same thing as clip studio where there's like a meta bang sort of launching page where you can like save assets and brushes and you could even save you sort of your um your brush and menu setup so that when you launch it on your phone all those brushes get transferred over so that that was like the winning thing for me is that i can make custom pencils for this thing um that that feel very natural and look really great um you know, I, I think I like that that blur on the pencil line because it mimics the imperfection of the line just enough for me. So I feel more like I'm penciling and I'm not worried about making like a perfect drawing. And when the line's too crisp when I'm penciling, it doesn't feel like I'm penciling anymore, if that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, so like I can, I can make the brush on my desktop, sync it to my account, and then when I open up my phone, those brushes will just be there. So that, that is pretty, that's a pretty winning combo for uh, Metabank Paint. It's also one thing I'm hearing is that you almost have a, you have such a, you have goals that you're trying to reach. You're trying to get finished art and art in progress accomplished and different tools. You can just roll in and roll out of your process. Yeah. That's, I guess it's nice to have the options. Yeah. Um, feel, yeah, I guess. I don't, that's, that's the thing, like all of our tools, they, they change a lot, especially in the, in the digital world. It's like the business models change and then off you go in, into needing to adapt or take on the new thing. And yeah. I don't know if, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, is it inevitable? Is it, is it, I don't know, just, just, it, it is what it is. I mean, we just need to roll with it unless you make your own app to do the drawing. And even then, as a creator of apps, the platforms change. And so now you're the one needing to keep these things up to date. It's a lot of work. So, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. But it, 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 it comes back to the thing that I tell my students all the time is that but like, the, the good news is you're never going to be bored. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> like this idea that like sometimes we can get frustrated and be like, can't it just stay the same for five years? And like, yeah, maybe that would be kind of cool every once in a while. But on the other hand, it's like, uh, rolling and adapting is part of what makes making art interesting. Um, and it's what f- I think it, it helps fuel our creativity to constantly be adapting so that we always have something to say. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to bright side it here, but uh, that that's what we do as creative people. And so I consider this is part of part of the price we pay, but also just part of the price we pay just existing. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Even if you're not trying to make uh, comics on your phone, it's the, yeah, the platforms and all that stuff and the market, it, it, things, things keep changing. So yeah. it's just, I think we bump into it maybe slightly more than average with yeah. having specific goals and interests to try to keep improving our process or solving new problems and stuff. So I think we, we bump into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because sometimes things that that are solved get unsolved, and even though you didn't do anything, it's except like upgrade your th- your app or phone or whatever. <laughs> and that's one of the stories that you'll save for next time when we do one of these episodes. Where it's yeah. like, I, I was doing what you told me to. I was I was keeping my software up to date. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything yep. right. Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> All right. Top well. Date. For All now, right. I think we did a podcast. Um, I think we did. That was fun. Thank you, funny. Jersey. Thank you, Rob. All right, we record the show every, well, usually every Thursday. 
that that is TBD. We will figure out what, what we're going to be doing in the in the weeks to come. Uh, that's another thing you can email us on at uh, leonatart.com slash contact. What, what would you like us to do the show now that we're like being playful with this? Well, idea? one more curveball there. Uh-huh. Also, I don't know how easy it's going to be for us to do this live anymore. That's we'll, true. We'll see. That's uh, true. Because this, speaking of platforms changing, hey, Google Hangouts going away. Hi, I'm Google. <laughs> did you like that thing? Yeah, I did. I really did. Oh, that's 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 fun because we're making it go away. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I kinda, yeah, kind of need that. I was standing there. No, nope. all right. <laughs> Learn oh, to you levitate. Really, or... You really didn't. You didn't because we we did a user testing and they and you didn't need it. Okay, well, we'll have to figure out something else. <laughs> There's supposedly another way to do it through YouTube. We'll figure it out. Maybe. Okay. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but it seems like it's going to be a lot more complex to do. But that's what we do is we adapt. So, mm-hmm. uh, but usually we record at least once a week and we stream it for now on YouTube and then collect it as a podcast at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, I've been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com, and I'm findable on Instagram, also as Rob Stenzinger. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.